Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com. Also on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, um, and anywhere else we feel like putting it in the morning. That's how it is. Good morning and welcome to the program. Also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Hi, how are you? You ready? Ready to dive into this? Ready to do it? Uh, We are... uh, we're getting our game on here. We're getting things ready to rock and roll. It is the Michael Duke Show, um, Tuesday edition of the program, and we are up and ready to go. It is um, <clears throat> Tuesdays are deep dive days. These are the days that we get a chance to talk about uh, things of a, a state nature with our friend Brad Keithley from Alaskan Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He's coming on board this morning to discuss with us and talk about the weekly top three, which include um, the deep dive into things uh, that, uh, oh man, including uh, discussions on uh, uh, discussions on why it matters uh, for elections, uh, about who gives money and what the endorsements, what does that all mean. He's also going to cover his top five candidates uh, that he's going to be following in this upcoming election season. And finally, uh, what Alaska's place in the oil world is going to look like here in the uh, in the near future. So we're going to talk about that here uh, in just a little bit and uh, get things started. And we'll uh, we'll we'll see what you guys uh, have to say about that as we as we jump through. Um, all right, we are uh, going to be covering Brad Keithley here in hour one, and then in hour two, it's going to be Chris Story, the man from Homer. He's going to come in on board and talk with us here, and uh, we're going to have a discussion with him uh, about some kind of life coaching lesson. I don't know exactly what it is, what it's going to be, but we're going to have that discussion here. Uh, in hour two on the broadcast this morning. So look forward to that as well. Oh, a quick reminder um, and an addendum, an additive, a footnote. Um, I already told you yesterday that I was uh, going to be taking Friday off for travel. And uh, so we will not be on the air on Friday. And I have actually added to that. I'm also not going to be on the air on Monday. So it's officially going to be a four-day weekend for me. And um, we made that decision based on uh, travel uh, on travel plans and some other stuff. So anyway, I will not be here on Friday or the following Monday. We will be returning to the air one week from today. 
on the Tuesday, which puts us one week out from the uh, primary election and the special election for the U.S. House race. So that's uh, that's what it's looking like uh, coming up there. So just just a note, just a note as to uh, what's happening. Um, and so you can tell your friends, tell your relatives, tell everybody you need to know that uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be doing that and uh, dealing with that uh, this coming weekend. So Friday and Monday off, just off, not here. You'll have to listen to more podcasts to uh, get caught up or to get your weekly fix uh, for the show. So don't forget, you can also, of course, join us every morning here this morning on Facebook or on YouTube or Twitch or wherever you want to find us. Just go to any of those platforms and Google my name and you will find us and we will be there. And you could join us in the chat room where we can all hang out together and talk about stuff. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Feel free to do so. So feel feel free to feel free to jump in on that and we'll be part of it. All right. <clears throat> here we go. What are some of the stories that are going to be uh, we're going to be covering here in uh, this morning and then before we get into it with Brad Keithley? I've only got a couple. Um, first and foremost, Lisa Murkowski never fails to surprise and uh, and just you know the 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 political chicanery of what's going on here uh, kind of blows my mind. You could see right now that she is desperately reaching out to that moderate and left vote knowing that she probably does not have enough votes to overcome Lisa Mer or, uh, Kelly Shabaka in the conservative camp. So now she's trying to ply the waters into the moderate and Democratic camps. Yesterday, she joined on a bipartisan bill uh, to that would protect, quote, quote unquote, protect ab abortion and contraception access. This is from the ADN. The measure itself, though, faces an uncertain future in a Senate that failed to pass a broader measure enshrining abortion rights back in May. Uh, and it also comes, of course, as she faces uh, this reelection with abortion emerging as one of the key issues. Despite the bipartisan co-sponsors, well, bipartisan in name only, it's her and Suzanne Collins on the Republican side. So just take that as you will. It is unlikely to clear the 60 votes necessary to become uh, to overcome the GOB filibuster. In a statement, uh, the senator said that it, this bill would undo the damage of the Supreme Court's June decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. The bill's uh, leans on language from Roe v. Wade, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, and other Supreme Court rulings that protected abortion before the court's Dobbs v. Jackson decision back last month. Uh, well, in June, I guess. It would block state regulations that impose an undue burden on women trying to get a pre-viability abortion, according to written statements from the senators. It would also allow states to make reasonable restrictions on post-viability abortion and ensure abortions to protect the life or health of the mother. Uh, Murkowski said in a written statement, for five decades, reproductive health care decisions were centered with the individual. We cannot go back in time limiting personal freedoms for women. Uh, this is she's she's the only one of the bill sponsors who's running for re-election this year, and she has faced a wave of criticism for her votes to confirm the two justices who later backed the decision to overturn uh, Roe v. Wade. 
um, and she faces challenges from both the left and the right. Again, I'm going to quote, uh, I'm going to go along with what uh, Pat Chesbro says late in the article uh, when she said, I don't think it really addresses the issues that were presented from Roe. She goes, I'm not going to call it a political stunt. I'm going to say that I doubt it would pass even in its current form. Tell me how you're going to not call it a political stunt while calling it a political stunt. That, which is exactly what it is. This is a this is a bill that has really no potential to go anywhere, but she wants to put her name on it so she can brandish the uh, brandish the shield to those on the left and the middle left uh, who she wants to attract to her cause. Remember, remember who got Lisa Murkowski elected back in 2010 during the Joe Miller debacle. Remember who got her elected then. Remember that they took Scott Adams, who was the Democratic candidate nominated and put forward by the Democratic Party, and they threw him under the bus and just, by Scott, and they went all in for Murkowski on that write-in campaign. Just, just remember that. Just remember that. Remember who got her elected in 2010, 12 years ago, and uh, remember what uh, you know how she was able to pull that out. This whole thing, this whole thing is a political ploy to up her street cred with the moderates and uh, progressives uh, in the Democratic Party. And, of course, to solidify it with some of the more moderate Republicans who are center or, you know, barely center right in that. She's trying to carve out. She can't carve into Shabaka's camp, I don't think. I think those people who are supporting Shabaka and who are more conservative, more constitutionally minded, more liberty minded, they know this is not the candidate for her. So where can you go? She will carve into Peltola's camp and swerve into her lane to try and attract um, those voters. And it'll probably work. They'll probably see her as the only way to stop Kelly Shabaka. But we'll have to we'll have to see. We will have to see how that works and what goes on from there. But uh, that's uh, that's the big news on uh, on Lisa Murkowski start, uh, starting today. Yesterday, they had a public forum. It was a candidate forum hosted by Juno radio station KINY. And they asked a lot of different questions. Um, but one of the big questions that came out of it was a discussion about rank choice voting. And um, when they were asked about it, Sarah Palin came to the forefront and said that the rank choice voting system is so frustrating for so many Alaskans, she said it's convoluted and complicated and creating voter confusion. And she said that the system needs to be changed, which, hey, but we're all, we've all, how long have we been talking about that? The last year and a half as we've waited for the state of Alaska to step up to the plate to educate voters on how this thing is supposed to work? I mean, this is not anything new, right? Nick Begich says uh, that uh, he he agreed that uh, we're going to need to see some of those changes. 
Um, Baggage says campaigns are effectively running a primary and a general at the same time. He said, we're going to run this experiment. We'll see how it goes. Uh, But he would like to see Alaska return to the prior system. Meanwhile, Mary Peltola said uh, that she's not a very partisan person, which, um, okay. Uh, She said she is hopeful more moderate candidates will be elected with ranked choice voting, which, again, is the stated goal of many of the people who have been behind ranked choice votings in various places around the country for years, that it eliminates the polarization by eliminating some of the more firebrand on both sides, that it really is a road to the middle. It's a moderate, which, uh, I don't know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But that's just, uh, um, you know, it's, 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 yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, we'll see how it goes down, but I have a feeling that this is going to be a hot-button issue post-election that how this worked is going to be a very hot button issue come post election time. So we'll see we'll see what it looks like in the end, but uh, that's my feel on it. All right, uh, we're going to be diving into this uh, in just a moment. We got Brad Keithley coming up. Uh, Alaskans for sustainable budgets. Uh, and we will see what he has to say here in just a moment. Kicking it off with a weekly top 3. It is the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska. We'll be back with more and Brad Keithley right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like... America used to be streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, hi, how are you guys? How are you going? How's it going? How does this look? How does this sound? How is all this stuff? How's it going? You feeling, is it, is it working? I've got YouTube and Twitch and Facebook all up in one spot. Does it feel like it's working? I saw Brian said earlier that it sounded tinny. Sounds a bit tinny. How's the audio? That's one thing I really didn't work on last night at all was the audio. Because it seemed to pick it right up. Um... I'm trying to see if there's anything that I can adjust on the back end here with this. Um, uh, sounds good. Audio seems fine. Green to green. Audio's good on Facebook. Okay. Um, I did not get the Biden in Skyrim deepfake. I'll have to go look at that, Anthony. Sorry, I was a little busy this morning. I was trying to get all this set up yesterday. Um, the multicasting uh, service that I used uh, for multicasting to all the anyway, apparently it got sold uh, like two months ago, and they never bothered to put anything on the website that said, "Hey, they were shutting down the service." So that's what happened yesterday: is the service was sold and they shut it all down. So I ended up having to go look, and I finally started looking at ones, and I finally had to pop for one that, well. 
it was money. Let's just put it that way. It's amazing what a few hundred dollars can do to make everything work. But I did get a lot more bells and whistles. I got a lot more bells and whistles like this. Yeah, I could basically do all kinds of cool stuff inside of the uh, 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 inside of the software. It allows me to do some. Uh, it allows me to do some pretty amazing things. I'm uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of digging it. I'm kind of digging it. So we're gonna be we're gonna be moving around with a lot of this. It gives me a little bit more control, and I can bring a lot more folks on board. Um, now the random live testing makes sense last night, uh, Anthony. Yes, yes, it does. Look at that. You're on the screen. Um, yeah. See, we can do all different kinds of stuff now. So, um, seeing you were testing yesterday evening had me concerned I'd miss something. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, uh, I was working on it for a big chunk of yesterday, trying to make sure that all the, everything was lined up and the bells and whistles and yada, yada, yada. But here we go, and it's going to give us an opportunity to have other people on board, and oh, it's going to be it's going to be fun stuff. Uh, all right, let me uh, let me get this squared away here. I need to close down. I got uh, too many windows open right now. Um, we'll get that going on here. Launch the meeting. There we go. Uh, we're going to get uh, on board with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Um, hello, computer. There we go. I was like, what the heck is going on? Zoom was not cooperating. Zoom was not cooperating this morning. So it's good to know we got it all squared away. Um, get this tuned down just a little bit. We've got about a minute here before we're going to be involved in this. There we go. Join with computer audio. Hey, look at you. <laughs> Two, I mean, he was fighting me every step of the way this morning. I don't know why. It was like just, you know, open, close, open, close. You ready to go? I am. I am. And I'm, and I'm amazed the technology's working. Yeah, well, you know, it's just working as good as it can this morning. We're, uh, we're good. But we did get, I mean, it's got some... It's got some cool bells and whistles, man. I will say that this is going to be kind of a new era. We're going to get some of this stuff squared away, so it's going to be fun stuff. So, um, all right, Brad. Well, we're 30 seconds out, so hold the line. We're going to jump back into this. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Please like and share this show. Please like and follow the show page. We will, we will, whoa, I just closed a window that I wasn't supposed to. All right, we're going to be back with more. The Michael Duke Show. Uh Let's let's get it. Let's get it going on. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke Show. Ready to jump in and do some uh, do some damage here. Our weekly guest is Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He comes in for what we like to call the weekly top three, which are the top three items 
that are important to, uh, you know, in his mind um, as to what we are facing here in the state of Alaska. And he joins us this morning, ready to rock and roll. Good morning, sir. How are you? Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you? You know, uh, there are no no complaints, my friend, no complaints. All right, so number one of the weekly top three, let's get right into it because we're going to have a busy morning this morning, is the effect of money and endorsements and what it tells us about the candidates. And uh, there's some pretty interesting stuff out there. So hit us with, uh, let's start off with number one and tell us uh, where we're at here. Well, there is. The, uh, the reporters are starting to dig into the 30-day report um, that uh, that the candidates had to file uh, 30 days in front of the election showing uh, who their donors are. Uh, we talked about some of that last week, but as the reporters dig more and more into it, and as I take a look at, uh, at, the, at, the, at the filings, uh, there's some intriguing things in there. Um, what, what you're seeing is sort of what you'd expect, but you're seeing it uh, with, uh, with big money. Uh, Bill Walker is getting... Uh, a lot of his money uh, uh, in big donations uh, coming from out of state. Uh, he has three uh, big hundred thousand dollar donors. One's in Kansas. One's in uh, uh, two. Two are in New York. One's in Kansas. Two are in New York. Uh, that's where his three hundred thousand dollars donors came from. Uh, Dunleavy uh, isn't far behind. <laughs> it depends on how you count his brother, who lives in Texas. But his brother is his biggest donor, um, uh, who lives in Texas. Another of uh, his big donors uh, lives in Minnesota, uh, who uh, the governor describes as a fishing, hunting and fishing buddy. Hundred thousand dollars from his hunting and fishing buddy. I wish I had buddies like that. Man, we I wish. Do. I wish. Hey, Brad, I, I need a buddy like that. Let me know, okay? <laughs> and uh, but the third is from in-state, uh, Bob Penny, uh, the uh, Kenai Sports Fishermen's Association. Um, and, um, uh, and, and so at least, uh, Dunleavy has, uh, some of, uh, some of his big one, one of his big donors, uh, coming from in state, uh, uh, Les Guerra has two smaller big donors, uh, uh just over 10,000. Uh, both of them are, uh, in state one in Juneau, one in Anchorage, both of them are lawyers. Um, the Fairbanks, uh, the Fairbanks news miner, Linda Hersey did a, did what I thought was a, a really good analysis uh, what would the don don donors look like uh, if you stripped out the big money? Um, and it's interesting if you take the hundred thousand dollar plus, you take if you take the six figure donations right uh, out. Uh, Gara leads uh, in uh, in in the money, uh, not by a lot, but he has five hundred plus odd thousand uh, ahead. Bill Walker's second. Uh, if you count just uh, in state money, and um, uh, or you just count the 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 the, take out the big donors, uh, and uh, and Dunleavy's third. Again, the the margins aren't huge, but they sort of come together. I mean, all three candidates come together if you take out if you take out the big money. So I think that's telling you that uh, Gara has more of a grassroots campaign for good or bad. Um, uh, Dunleavy has somewhat of a grassroots uh, Alaska campaign. Uh, Walker is being financed a lot by uh, by out of state uh, out of state people. You look at the endorsements. Um, Walker's got a union endorsement, a couple of union endorsements. Uh, the the bellwether, though, for me, uh, in terms of endorsements, uh, was one Walker announced this past week. Jim Jensen uh, uh, of, of uh, Linden Transport and uh, co-chair of the Keep Alaska Competitive 
uh, uh, campaign. Someone I like to call, or I like to refer to as Mr. Tw top 20%, uh, <laughs> Jensen endorsed uh, Walker. And if you look at the endorsements and the editorials that are coming out in support of Walker, they're basically who you would expect given Walker's last term. Uh, it's the top 20% who, who benefit by Walker using uh, PFD cuts to finance uh, finance spending. Um, and it's the beneficiaries of, uh, of government spending. Local government, uh, Mike Navarre uh, has endorsed him. Uh, others uh, in local government have endorsed him. Um, the education community, the university community. Um, so you're, you're getting, you're, you're seeing that division that you would sort of expect, but it's being confirmed. Uh, the top 20% and the um, and the and the and the unions and the government uh, uh, beneficiaries, government spending beneficiaries, supporting Walker, Dunleavy, sort of the business community generally, a, a lot of top twenty percenters in there, uh, oil sort of in there, uh, and Gara, uh, also the education community and and uh, and the government uh, beneficiary community. Uh, but uh, smaller donations from them and and less endorsements. So the division. The division in the governor's race is is looking very. Uh, it's confirming, I guess, what your what your priors would be. It's confirming that Walker is um, is is sort of the top twenty percent candidate. Uh, is the uh, government spending candidate? Uh, is the out of state good government uh, 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 candidate? Um, Gara is more the grassroots candidate. Is more the grassroots candidate. And Dunleavy is sort of the business community, uh, business community candidate. It's uh, it's interesting to watch, and it's interesting to see some of the verbiage. One of the opinion pieces um, about this was uh, from the Juno Empire, uh, one of the some educator that uh, threw out there. But you could already see some of the narrative shaping up here. The issue our state faces are significant with regard to education, the teacher shortage, and the compounded years of defunding preschool through 12 and post-secondary education systems in Alaska. The defunding of the, this is the narrative that they're going to run on. And this is one of the reasons why she supported uh, is supporting Walker, because again, he is going to be the big governor, can, uh, big government candidate who's going to pour more. You could see it's, it's, it's exactly what it is. We need more money for this. Who's going to support my pet project. There we go. And you got that. You, so you've got that side. And the, and the title of that piece is, by the way, I'm a longtime educator and I'm supporting Walker Dragas. Um, you've got that. You've got the big government uh, government spending uh, crowd. And then on the other side, you've got the top 20 percent. You got Jim Jensen uh, stepping in as a as, as a as a co-chair for Walker, uh, the top 20 percent uh, on the on the other side. So the funding side, the funding for this big government is uh, is the top 20 percent. Take it out of the PFD. Uh, uh, crowd. So you, I, it's it's what you would have guessed going into this uh, uh, from Walker's prior uh, from Walker's prior term, uh, but it's being confirmed as you look through the donations, as you look through the people he's listing as co-chairs, uh, as you look through the people who are writing op-eds in support of his campaign. It's being confirmed uh, uh, by uh, by that. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the about the legislative side. Uh, in the second segment, but I will mention that there's a the, the legislative side is is interesting. Uh, uh, Matt Buxton writes a uh, writes a blog on uh, writes a blog several places, uh, but he has he has a Substack uh, blog, 
and he he has gone through the legislative races um, uh, in detail. Uh, part one he published yesterday, which was the the funding behind the Senate, going analyzing the the uh, uh, the donations behind the Senate campaigns, uh, state Senate campaigns, and his the title of his is "Progressive Candidate Candidates Hold Fundraising Edge in Most Key Races for Legislature." So it 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 it's sort of confirming sort of reinforcing what you're seeing in the in the governor's race with Guerra being uh, getting a lot more grassroots uh, uh, donations, uh, not 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 relying on big money, but picking up uh, gra- grassroots donations. And you're sort of seeing that come through in the legislative uh, races as well. I, I will say conservatives, if you take money as a uh, as, as an indicator of uh, of, of support as an indicator of, of, of election uh, results, you shouldn't uh, entirely. But if you do take that to, to some degree as an indicator, uh, I would say that uh, the Democrats are uh, uh, doing uh, somewhat better than uh, than Republicans are. Yeah, when you uh, look, yeah look at some of those numbers, and it is uh, it is a little eye opening for sure. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, one more thing uh, that I think to mention on the governor's race again in terms of support. And in terms of where this is going, Walker uh, released a poll yesterday that's sort of worthless uh, because it's not really taking into account ranked choice voting. Uh, but you know, you, you take what you get and uh, and and you and you spin it the way you can. Uh, Walker had a poll run, evidently, because the poll says it was prepared by uh, Hayes uh, Hayes Corporation for the Hayes polling for the Walker Trigus campaign. Um, Walker uh, did a uh, released a poll, and it's an interesting poll. It shows a head-to-head between Dunleavy and Guerra, and a head-to-head between Dunleavy and Walker. Um, Dunleavy wins both. Uh, he beats Walker by less than he beats Guerra. He beats Guerra by more than he beats Walker, but not by much. And what that really does is, I can is I think confirm the the survey that that Ivan Moore did, and we talked about last week, which shows Dunleavy ahead, Guerra and Walker sort of neck and neck uh, with uh, with whoever's going to finish fourth uh, uh, in, in the ranked choice voting uh, becoming uh, very significant. So it's um it's a it's an interesting poll from the standpoint of really confirming, I think, what Ivan what we saw from Ivan. Uh, uh, last week or the week before, uh, in terms of Walker and Guerra sort of splitting uh, that uh, that progressive vote, uh, and Dunleavy, uh, to some degree, uh, uh, consolidating the uh, the conservative, at least the business uh, conservative uh, vote. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, give us a tease into number two now before we jump into the break a little early. Well, Michael, I'm uh, I'm I'm starting to track. Uh, uh, legislative races, starting to think about legislative races more deeply. And I've picked five, uh, at least at this point, I've picked five that I think are sort of the bellwether races. Uh, and I've sort of I've picked them out of certain categories. Um, and so we're going to talk about those. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the money uh, that's showing up in the legislative races uh, that uh, based on the analysis that uh, Matt Buxton did. All right. Brad Keithley continues with us. It is the Michael Duke Show. Broadcasting live. Don't forget, you can go out and join us uh, on Facebook or YouTube. 
uh, during the break. If you'd like to come in and be part of it, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Feel free to dive in. We'll continue with more right after this. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thing and radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, we're in the break. Uh, we're, we're proceeding ahead here um, with Brad Keithley. Um, wow, this software does some amazing stuff. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm amazed at some of the limitations that I had before that are no longer there including seeing all the replies that used to be in the other software that I couldn't see when somebody replied to somebody else on Facebook, I couldn't see the replies. Um, so all I saw was the main chat branch, which is good, which is good. I you, like it. You spend more money, you get more bells and whistles. Apparently you spend more money. Ooh, that was painful, but I did it, uh, because why not? I guess we all got to grow up one day and become a real low mid budget radio program instead of a low budget radio program. Um, but that's okay. Um, it's, uh, it's good stuff. I'm really, I'm really loving it, uh, so far. Um, let me see if there's any comments in the chat room here that are worth, uh, reading out and talking about. You know, Michael, I want to, I want to mention one thing, sure. uh, back to the governor's race for a moment. Um, I think it matters, uh, who finishes fourth. Um, uh, there is, I, Jeff Lanfield did a did an analysis and says, you know, it's it as of this moment, it's sort of a toss up between Charlie Pierce and and Chris Kirka on uh, on who's going to finish fourth. And I think it matters who finishes fourth. And and here's why: um, I think the Charlie P- Pierce voters are more likely to to rank Dunleavy second than the Kirka voters. I think the Kirka voters are more likely to do one and done to vote for their candidate and then to stop marking the ballot and go home. And if Kirka finishes fourth without those second choice votes, um, I'm a little concerned that Dunleavy won't get to 50% after this is based on the, on the right uh, on the Ivan Moore poll and, and assuming Dunleavy's ahead, but I'm a little concerned that Dunleavy doesn't get over 50%. Um, uh, if, if that the fourth choice candidate doesn't have a lot of, or if the fourth ranked candidate doesn't have a lot of second choice ballots, uh, for Dunleavy. And if we go to the third choice candidate, if, if, if Dunleavy doesn't get over 50% after the fourth choice, if we go to the third choice candidate, then I think you're going to have a real issue, uh, in terms of whoever's finished second, uh, Walker or, uh, uh, Guerra. Uh, in terms of that, the the second choice is off that ballot, uh, uh, push, pushing them over the top. So unlike unlike some who are saying, yeah, it really doesn't matter who finishes fourth. I, I think it matters a lot, uh, frankly, who finishes fourth. If you think about it in terms of is that fourth ranked candidate going to going to have voters who who you know go down the ballot and and pick a second choice, right? No, and I I agree. I think that uh, his voters, Kirk's voters, are much more likely to basically be all in on one with no secondary ranking. Um, I think that uh, I would agree that Charlie's voters would have more of a propensity to uh, rank the red, so to speak, um, in that in that race. 
um, I myself will be ranking uh, red and yellow for the whole for the whole race at this point. Um, uh, so we'll, I'll be doing some write-ins more than anything else. I'm definitely not ranking any, uh, anything on the democratic ticket as far as that goes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you because, and this is what, uh, Frank Van Bennecombe did, uh, said, excuse me, Fred Van Bennecombe said to us, Dr. Van Bennecombe, of course, who's the expert from the, um, uh, um, uh, the Gladwell? No, I'm sorry, I forgot the name of the institute. Anyway, he said that number two is that, that really, that is really where the important, where the race breaks down into is, is who are you voting for in number two? Because they have a tendency to more than likely be the candidate uh, in the end. Um, and in fact, there were Republicans who were running together, basically, in combination for various seats that were saying, no matter what you do, pick us for number one or pick us for number two. Uh, even if you don't like us, pick us for number two, because they saw that there was power in that. So this whole thing is a mess, uh, but it, it, it's hard to analyze because we have no real way of knowing and no real track record. But uh, I agree. I think that fourth place, I think that fourth place is going to be very important. Now, my fingers are crossed that Charlie gets across the line into the fourth place. We'll see. Um, because really it is, <clears throat> it's, it's going to be him and Kirka, I think at this point, they're the only two that have the amount of support possible to get into that position. Um, but I mean, I don't know, quick thoughts on what, who, you know, who you think is going to, who's going to make it. Well, I hope it's Charlie too. I mean, I, 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 Walker as governor again, I think is a disaster. Uh, less would be interesting, but I think, uh, you know, of, of the three, I think Dunleavy's probably probably the best, but you know Kirk is Kirk is just throwing so many flames out there. Oh yeah, uh, uh, at everybody. Um, I think you know he's he's telling us that 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 you know he's not going to support uh, uh, a second choice candidate. It's going to be all in for him, and I think that he's uh, he's going to uh, his supporters tend to will, will tend to follow that as well. So okay. I, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about support. Here we go. We got to wrap. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Like and share, like and follow, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's get to it, shall we? All right, continuing now, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Our guest, the weekly top three, continues right now. This hour of the program, by the way, being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West for all your communications needs, be they satellite, cellular, VHF, radio, carrier pigeon, or even two cans with strings. Those guys over there at Satellite West, they can get you hooked up one way or the other. Find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. All right, Brad, number two. The top five or so candidates uh, races that you are really watching uh, in uh, in this election. Of course, we know that uh, the legislative races, 59 of those races are up, uh, 59 out of 60 are up. But we know that at this point, the primary really for 58 of those 59 means nothing. It's essentially a fancy and expensive poll to kind of test the waters to see where people are. I guess it will give the candidates some data to know where they may need to work on things. 
But really, essentially, they're all in uh, because of the ranked choice voting. It's always the top four, and only one out of 59 races has more than four candidates. So everybody's going through for the most part. But let's get started here on your top five and uh, what the money means and the fundraising and all that other kind of stuff. Let's fold it all together. Well, it's uh, uh, it's the top five races, and I've sort of picked them from categories, uh, from five categories. The first category is pro-PFD Republicans against top 20% Republicans. And that shows up in a lot of races. It shows up in in uh, uh, Roger Holland, Senator Holland versus Kathy Giesel, uh, the rematch there. Holland, a pro-PFD, Giesel, a, a top 20%er, um, shows up in the shower race, shower versus uh, 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 Massey. Uh, again, Massey, you know, we've talked about this on our previous program, Massey clearly a top 20% pick uh, to go in and try to take out shower, uh, shower a, a firm uh, uh, pro-PFD candidate, shows up in Verhagen uh, Bishop, uh, uh, Eliza, Elijah Ver, Verhagen uh, uh, being a pro-PFD candidate click, uh, Bishop being clearly a, a top 20% uh, Republican. The one that I've picked uh, in that category to follow closely is the Ken McCarty, Kelly, Kelly Merrick uh, Senate race in Eagle River. Um, I picked that one because it's going to, it's going to attract a lot of money. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, Laura Reinbold's old district. So there's a question about, uh, you know, how conservative that district's going to be. Um, and, uh, and, and, and really, I think it'll be a, a big, uh, a, a big player in, in terms of how the Senate comes out. Interestingly enough, well, not interestingly enough, I predictably enough, Kelly Merrick's ahead on the money. Uh, she's got, uh, $64,000, uh, in donations compared to Ken McCarty's uh, $26,000. She has $48,000 uh, uh, remaining in the bank. McCarty has $3,000 remaining in the bank. And frankly, McCarty's in debt because his debt out, uh, out uh, uh, is higher than uh, uh, a higher balance than, than uh, the money he has remaining. So um, clearly the money is lining up. The top 20% money is lining up behind Kelly Merrick. I think that's going to be an interesting race. I think McCarty's clearly uh, uh, going to have a chance there because of what that district is. But that's going to show, I think, the impact of money uh, in a in a Senate in a state Senate race. The second category is uh, uh, a pro PFD Republican against a top twenty percent Democrat. Uh, that I've picked. Uh, that shows up again in some races. I've picked Costello, the the Mia Costello versus Matt Clayman race. Uh, Senate race in uh, in South Anchorage, West Anchorage, as uh, as sort of the bellwether for that. Mia uh, is a, a pro PFD, a Republican. Uh, Matt is a uh, 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 an anti or a or a top twenty percent uh, Democrat. Uh, and again, Clayman is ahead on uh, money. He's raised uh, a heck of a lot of money. Um, let's see, one hundred and ten thousand dollars, almost one hundred and eleven thousand dollars. Uh, for Clayman, uh, $14,000 for Mia. Uh, Clayman's got uh, $79,000 remaining in the bank. Uh, Mia's got $17,000 uh, remaining in the bank. So again, uh, the top 20% money showing up for a top 20% candidate uh, thus far uh, in the race. The third category, and this may be the only race in the state that's like this, a pro-PFD Democrat against, um, you don't really know, uh, Republicans. Scott Kawasaki, 
the race between Scott Kawasaki and Jim Matherly up in, uh, up in, uh, uh, up in Fairbanks. Kawasaki's been a pro PFD uh, Democrat uh, consistently. Uh, you look at uh, Matherly, you don't really know uh, what, uh, uh, what uh, Matherly is, uh, uh, is what Matherly's position is on, frankly, much of anything. Scott's ahead in the money so far. Uh, and so that's a, that, that's a, a interesting sign. He's, he's, he, Scott's a good grassroots campaigner, a good grassroots fundraiser. Uh, and that, uh, that, uh, if you're looking at this from the PFD issue, as I do, uh, that's a good sign, uh, in that race. Um, the, the, the Democrat on Democrat, there's uh, some Democrat on Democrat primaries. The one I've picked to look at, uh, most is, uh, pro-ish PFD Harriet Drummond. Uh, versus clearly top twenty percent, uh, uh, Zach Fields. Right. That also shows it also shows up in the Garantar versus Forrest Dunbar uh, Senate race in in East Anchorage. Um, Drummond's uh, doing okay. She's got uh, she's got some money so far. Fields is picking up top twenty percent money. Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting uh, an interesting race uh, as well. And then the fifth candidate is uh, and again there may not be many of these, but the the fifth the fifth race that I'm focusing on is, uh, again, in Fairbanks, and it's a free-for-all. It's the Bart LeBond uh, re-election uh, with Kelly Nash running as a Republican and with uh, Dilbert running as a Democrat. Uh, clearly, Kelly Nash is a pro-PFD uh, Republican. Dilbert's sort of in the middle, and Bart is clearly a top 20% Republican. And that's, you know, talk about where ranked choice voting is going to play an interesting uh, an interesting uh, role. Absolutely. Uh, that that race is going is going to be one, and I think that's going to be an interesting uh, race as well. We haven't I haven't seen the uh, the fundraising numbers on that. I suspect Bart's going to have some pretty good top twenty percent money in there, but uh, uh, that's the fifth category that uh, that I'm looking at. I mean, at one point, yeah, I mean, this is where the campaigns, especially in that LeBon race. Uh, the campaign slogan for Kelly Nash and company should all be, you know, we're number two because we try harder. So make sure you vote us for number two, because I think that's it's going to come down to some slicing and dicing in the following follow up rounds of what's going on. You know, it's interesting in that race. Um, if you look at this from the PFD, if you look at this from the fiscal issue, Nash and Dilbert are much more closely aligned than Laban is. And, and I would be tempted if I were voting in that district, I would be tempted to vote, uh, Nash one, Dilbert two, and, and leave Debon, leave LeBon off, uh, off, off the ranking. Because when you look at it, it's odd, but when you look at it, the Democrat and the, and the conservative Republican are much more closely aligned on that fiscal issue. You preserving the PFD right. than, uh, than, than Bart LeBon is. So, We'll see if uh, if the if if that starts showing up in the race as a, as an important factor. But it's the reason I'm following it because because it's one of those few races where Democrats and and conservative Republicans are more aligned than the Republican is with the top twenty percent Republican. Maybe this one slipped by me and you said it, and I just was technically working on something here in the background. But the Geisel Holland race, the money raising discrepancy there is pretty significant. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, Giesel, uh, uh, Giesel's a top 20% Republican. She's got, uh, she's got oil money who, who doesn't want to see the PFD preserved. They want to see PFD cuts, uh, uh, uh taken. Uh, she's got top 20%, uh, 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 business money, uh, behind her. 
Um, and Roger, uh, Roger really hasn't uh, raised that much, even since, uh, even as you, as you see on the chart, even since, uh, uh, even since the end of, uh, of the session, but the money, Michael, the money was like that in the last race. Uh, and right. Roger, uh, beat Kathy. Now, Kathy, it, it, the, the Kathy's, uh, 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 votes against the PFD were fresh, uh, the last race, uh, around, and they're not going to be as fresh this time. So you sort of wonder if that's going to have some impact, but money, that that's why that's why I'm following Merrick and and, and McCarty for example. The money's going to be huge on Merrick's side. Um, al already you see the money uh, heavy on Massey against Shower. You see the money heavy on Bishop against Verhagen. Um, there's there's going to be money on the top twenty percent candidate side. I mean that's they, they want right. to preserve they want to preserve their ability <laughs> to get off scot free. Right. Know, paying for government. But that doesn't, again, uh, just because they have the most money doesn't mean that they're going to be the winning candidate. That's, I mean, again, the Holland and Giesel race in the past proves that, if nothing else. There's met many times when candidates have been ousted, but it just depends on how long the candidates' memories or the, uh, the constituency's memories last. That's for sure. It, exactly right. Exactly right. And that's why these races are interesting to me. I mean, the Republican on Republican races are interesting to me to see if... Uh, uh, to see if the if the pro PFD candidates, uh, the more fiscally conservative candidates, can out can outlast uh, or, or survive that money attack that uh, that we're seeing in these races. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for sustainable budgets. Four minutes now. I suppose we can move on to number three, which is Alaska's place in the oil world. Where what does it mean? Where where are we gonna? What is our place gonna? How are we gonna find this out? Well, we've talked a lot about uh, we, we've talked a lot about Willow on various programs. We've talked a lot about uh, uh, last week. We talked about the Wood McKenzie report that that uh, said Alaska was a, a disadvantaged uh, basin because of its uh, because of the environmental issues associated uh, with uh, with production there, uh, or the carbon issues associated with production there. And we've talked a little bit about PICA, but we're sort of coming up on a real world test. Uh, of of how investors feel uh, about Alaska, uh, about investing in additional production in Alaska. Uh, Santos Oil Search uh, before Santos uh, has has gotten Pika to the point where it's ready to go. It's gotten all the permits, all of the approvals uh, that Pika needs in order to be able to go forward on uh, on phase one of the Pika. Uh, uh, project, big phase one, uh, 80,000 barrels a day is, is the estimate of uh, their of phase one production. Um, they've gotten it, they've gotten it all <clears throat> sort of street ready or, or shovel ready uh, to use the term to go forward. The question now is financing. Uh, Santos oil search before them and now Santos has said they're going to make an FID, uh, FID decision, final investment decision. That's what FID stands for, final investment decision on phase one mid-year. Uh, well, we're in July uh, and, um, and, and Santos just released its second quarter uh, uh, corporate report and, and they reaffirmed that they're looking at mid-year, mid-year 2022 to make a decision on going forward on phase one. So assuming mid-year means you know, sometime by September, um, sometime uh, by the beginning of the third quarter um, or by late September, um, uh, we're coming up on that decision of whether or not uh, Santos is going to make uh, is going to make the investment decision. Now, there's been a lot of discussion about Santos having uh, Pika out for sale, at least a portion of Pika out for sale. 
um, wanting to to get you know to to spread the risk, wanting to mitigate their risk, um, uh, and uh, and and get a little bit of cash up front by selling an interest uh, in the Pika field. We've we've heard those rumors for a long time. We know that Santos has had uh, a, a data room opened in Australia that people have visited it. Um, we're going to find out, I think, in the next couple of months how real this project is and how willing Santos is either on its own or how or, or, or positioned with somebody else uh, going forward uh, on that project. And I think that's a real world test of, uh, of where Alaska's uh, oil uh, investment and oil production future uh, lies. All right. Well, we'll keep our ear to the ground and our eyes to the sky. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you coming in and joining us. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we're out of time for this segment. we got more coming up in Hour 2, including Chris Story, the man from Homer, for our weekly life coaching lesson that's up next. We'll be back with more right after this. Okay. <clears throat> Did you notice the uh, in Matt Buxton's article the one uh, the one discussion on the fundraising about the defend our constitution? Do you see the, what their fundraising had hit uh, in that uh, talk? I don't. I don't remember the 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 number. It was high. Three hundred and thirty two thousand dollars already. For the Defend Our Constitution, that is the anti-ConCon group out there. Um, I mean, that's a that's some significant money at this point. They, I mean, and a lot of those contributions coming from um, uh, from uh, one or one or more of the unions. They definitely do not want to see the state's constitution opened up uh, and some changes to be made. Uh, but I thought that was a I thought that was a little eye opening, considering uh, the 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 con con movement has really barely got started at this point. Well, con con, and, and, and if I recall that portion of the article, it also says the con con money, the con con, uh, or the the support of constitutional convention has zero uh, in yeah. terms of dollars. That there's exactly. no formal organization that uh, they've uh, there's no PACs, there's no money that's been put into uh, into that effort. So it's three hundred and whatever thousand you said uh to zero right now in terms in terms of dollars yeah there's I, there's a lot of reasons that people uh i mean we've talked about some of them on the show there's a lot of reasons that people oppose uh opening up the special interests uh government spending uh, those interested in government spending those interested in in preserving the pfd as a funding tool cuts PS, pfd cuts as a funding tool uh, those interested in, in preserving, I mean, one of the provisions in the Constitution is is uh, uh, guaranteeing retirement, uh, government uh, employee retirement above everything else in terms of government spending. So uh, there's a lot of reasons that 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 those uh, tied to current uh, to current government spending and those tied to current government programs uh, don't want to see the con don't want to see the Constitution opened up. Yeah, no, I just thought it was an interesting. Uh, I just thought it was an interesting take because it really. Uh, I'm sorry, 320, not 332, 320,000, and this is from the Juno Empire. Hundred, but a hundred thousand of that comes from two out-of-state PACs, the American Federation of Teachers, and the IBEW PAC Education Fund, and the NEA. So, I mean, they've got, they've definitely got uh, a skin in this game and making sure that the Constitution does not get. Uh, does not get cracked open for various reasons. Yeah, exactly right. 
there's 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 other um i mean i people who subscribe i think i think this is a subscription only uh publication by buxton i think this is one of his uh, uh behind the behind the curtain publications but i mean there's some interesting numbers in here gary stevens um uh, is ahead uh, has fifty eight thousand dollars uh uh, compared to Heath Smith's uh, $24,000. But what's really interesting about that is Stevens only has $3,000 remaining. Of that $58,000 only has $3,000 remaining. Heath Smith has uh, $7,000 uh, uh, remaining. Um, so there's, there's, some, there's some very, that's another one of those Republican on Republican pro PFD versus, uh, uh, versus uh, top 20% uh, uh, candidates. Um, there, there's a lot of interesting, there's going to be a lot of interesting races, uh, in here. I don't think the money is finalized yet, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, as, as Matt says at the headline, uh, progressives are, uh, are running ahead, uh, uh, so far, generally speaking, progressives and what he calls moderate Republicans, what I call top 20% Republicans, uh, are, uh, are, 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 Sort of uniformly running ahead. One exception to that, Tuckerman uh, is head of uh, is ahead of Jesse Bjorkman by quite a bit. Tuckerman has uh, seventy eight thousand uh, dollars raised to Jesse's uh, twenty one thousand dollars, <laughs> and he has thirty two thousand remaining against Jesse's thirteen thousand. Earning the severe disdain of Matt Buxton and the excoriation <laughs> of Matt Buxton for how dare they. Yeah, I mean, you have to. I love to read this stuff just with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah, definitely, that's one of the bright spots in the whole thing um, is the uh, Babcock uh, Bjorkman race there down in the peninsula. But a lot of interesting races, Brad. I mean, and we're going to get a feel for this, especially after the this upcoming election. Like I said, it's acting more like a poll than anything else. We'll get a feel for where everybody's sitting uh, when it uh, when it comes down. It is. And as I as I say, I'm going to be looking at it through these five categories, Republicans on Republicans, pro PFD Democrats against uh, against uh, top 20 percent Republicans and, and so forth. I think that's really to me, that's the way to really you know sort of grab hold of of the dynamics that are that are going on in the race. Yeah, absolutely. Final thoughts, Brad, as we get ready. Now, I'm going to be coming back next uh, Tuesday full of vim and vigor for my uh, vacation. <laughs> Because uh, I've decided to take Friday and Monday off. Yes, that's right. Friday and Monday. I, I decided the second one uh, just uh, just last night. I decided I with the travel time it was just too tight to get it done. So uh, what are we going to be? What are we looking at for next week? Huh? You decided that, or Terry decided that? I'll never tell. Uh, <laughs> I'll never tell. She thinks about me all the time. So she's like, uh, you're going to be tired. It's going to be late and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, she really took care of me. But uh, what are we going to be touching on? What are you looking at for next week? Quickly here, less than a minute. Oh, I'll be looking at uh, at, at any fundraising news or any uh, positions, continuing to look at it through a fiscal lens uh, and looking, you know, I'm, I'm really looking, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to what Santos does on Pika. I think that's going to tell us a lot about yeah. Alaska's oil future. Well, definitely going to be interesting. We're going to watch all that, and we will uh, continue on. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. We appreciate you coming in and joining us today. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's good to see you. Thank you for uh, being part of the show today. All right, folks, we're getting ready to dive into this. We got uh, more coming up. Chris Story in Hour 2. 
plus, I don't know, whatever I want to talk about here in the next segment. How about that? Maybe we should open up the phone lines, I guess. See what you have to say. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet. At MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream, plus links to all of our social media sites, including Facebook and YouTube and Twitch. Go in there and uh, check it out uh, where we uh, got links to those so you can join us in the chat room. We can have uh, interactions and talk with your fellow listeners and everybody else. It's a great place to be. That's all the Internet stuff. And then, of course, broadcasting across the state of Alaska on your favorite radio station and FM translator, um, uh, just and there's a list of all those at MichaelDukeShow.com as well. Hi, how are you? Welcome back to hour two of the broadcast. If you just finished, um, the just finished up uh, with uh, if you just missed it. That's what I meant to say. Uh, we just finished with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, We had a good discussion on, uh, well, pretty much uh, a bunch of stuff about the elections and campaigns and donations and monies. And uh, I recommend that you go back and hit it uh, on the podcast if you missed any of it to get uh, to get caught up uh, for the weekly top three. Uh, And that's, of course, over at uh, you can find the podcast. Well, wherever you find podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher. Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just sign up and hit subscribe, and I will automatically be downloaded to your inbox every day, and you don't have to go search for it or anything else, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be good. So I, uh, I, really, uh, I really enjoy that. Uh, so come on down and check it out. Hour two now of the program, and we're getting ready to uh, – Start a discussion here in just a few moments with Chris Story, the man from Homer, who's going to give us our weekly PMA boost, positivity break, uh, our life coaching lesson, as we like to say it. That is the place to uh, that is the place to go. Uh, he's going to be joining us here in a few minutes, and we'll be talking about a variety of stuff. It'll be it'll be all fun. Um, so I guess housekeeping, I guess housekeeping, um, 
is the uh, is the new word of the day. Uh, just so that you know, in case you missed it, we are going to be off the air, not the station. I will be on hiatus on Friday. I also made a decision that because of my travel plans and everything else, I'm also going to be hiatus on Monday because it was just going to be, I was going to try and just kill myself to get back and be here on time and do all it. But no, it's just, my wife talked me off the ledge. So uh, Friday and Monday, this Friday and Monday, I will be on hiatus and you will be fixed with regular programming this um this coming uh, uh, this coming uh, uh, weekend, so I will have a four day weekend, and you guys will just have to suffer in silence. No, there'll be alternate programming on the stations. It'll be fine, and if you really can't get your fix, you can always catch up on the past podcasts that you miss, or go back and listen to the ones that you really you know loved and wanted and. And, you know, you could listen to them again and again. The replay value is immense on many of these podcasts. <laughs> anyway, you can go back and enjoy that and do what you need to do. Spotify, says Barbara. Spotify in the chat room. Yep, that is the, that's my preferred method of listening to my podcast when I listen to my, I hardly ever listen to the podcast. I only listen to the podcast usually just to check the audio quality and, and anything else. Because I was there, I lived it, I don't need to listen to it again. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, feel free to, uh, feel free to enjoy the podcast while I am off on vacation on Friday and Monday. So I will be returning to the airwaves, uh, next Tuesday, one week from today. So now before you panic, um, because I know everybody's panicking, uh, we are going to have some firearms discussions on Thursday of this week, Thursday. Uh, we're going to have some discussions uh, about that, and so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a, a good a good discussion on Thursday. Tomorrow on the program, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I've reached out again. We'll have to see if we can. Uh, I'm still working on trying to get Sarah Palin back on the program for the first time in years, but working to get her back on the program. Uh, I've been working on some of the other candidates. Uh, potentially, we may hear from Charlie Pierce uh, one more time. I'm really trying to get Charlie as much exposure as possible um, so that you know we can see who that number four candidate is going to be. And yes, we may actually also check in with Ben Carpenter. Um, to check in on the grand jury issue, which was going on down in the Kenai. Um, so hopefully, fingers crossed, all double fingers crossed, that that's all going to work out, and we're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna see more about that, right? We're gonna see more about that. All right. Um, I guess we'll just open the phone lines. I guess that's. I don't. I don't really have anything else to say this morning. I mean, political-wise, other than, uh, my gosh, the season has hardly started, and I'm really already just exhausted by most <laughs> most of the news going on already. Uh, and I guess I'm just thankful that I don't live in Anchorage because have you been watching the 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 little the the dust up and the tete-a-tete and the governor? Excuse me, the mayor 
overriding the veto or the or vetoing rather the ordinance that would remove give them a, a the assembly the right or in the process to remove the mayor from office without a vote of the people and then them overriding that veto and i mean it is it's like all out political warfare in uh, in anchorage right now i would not want to no 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 you could not pay me to take part in that madness that is down there in anchorage right now and the only reason I mentioned it, <clears throat> because as I've said many times, as goes Anchorage, so goes the rest of the state. I mean, they are a bellwether for many changes that we've seen around the state of Alaska. And uh, I guess we should be paying attention to it because it is a hot brown chocolate mess down there. I just I can't imagine how I, I just can't imagine what it's like down there. So uh, anyway, watching it, and we'll be we'll we'll keep our ear to the ground on that and see what's going on. But uh, other than that, that's really the only other hot button thing that I've seen out there that I've been watching. But I do have some calls here, so I guess we'll go over to the phones and start things off with a discussion with you to see what you have to say because that's how we roll. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, uh, Bob the Voter, Fairbanks. Hello, Bob in Fairbanks. What's hey, on your uh, mind? Hey, uh, I'm thinking we need to get on a track like the Democrats are always on, where they uh, they label everything, and the news media gets it and reports it 55 times. Everybody says the same thing until the crowd believes it. So, right, you're talking. I think uh, we should name the uh, the coronavirus thing we got going on. That's the Fauci flu, and uh, any the election is called the midterm variant. The midterm. Uh, that's how they're going to pound that one through us. And then anytime you see Walker, you just think dividend thief. And uh, he basically, since he got in office, stole it every year since then. Well, I mean, so, it's, I know, it, it might not we be. We need to label these things, and that's just that's, anytime we talk about them, that's what it needs to be until people well, get good grip. It might not be a bad idea, Bob. Unfortunately, you have to have the cooperation of the media in most of those things. They don't. Uh, they don't want to, uh, you know, they don't want to participate in, and uh, and help you out of that if it's not pushing their agenda. And well, anytime I'm talking to somebody, that's what I they say that, oh, I just get some bouncy flu or whatever. I put it out there every time. <laughs> All right, I got to run to work. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you coming in and joining us this morning. Uh, number to call, 433-3150. 4333150 if you would like to uh, sound off. Sorry, I was hearing a weird noise and I thought it was in my uh, system, but it's somebody outside the studio. Okay. Um 4333150 if you would like to uh uh be part of it, we'd love to uh see what you have to say. Feel free to uh, you know, just drop us a drop us a line. Let's get it going on here. And we will uh, we'll do it to it. Uh, 907-433-3150. Powered by our friends over there at Satellite West. You can find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. I mean, the Democrats uh, and the progressives have been very good about the labeling, what uh, Bob the Voter was just talking about, the labeling of things. Uh, I mean, probably one of the prime examples is the uh, is the you know the the whole assault weapons idea that that somehow has come to actually mean something. And I mean, assault weapon is 
what? I mean, a weapon that you can assault with? I mean, that could be an assault hammer. It could be an assault uh, lamp, uh, you know, lamp base. It could be an assault knife or sword or machete. Uh, but no, assault weapon has come, been come to, you know, to mean because they've utilized it and the mainstream media has backed them up on it um, as a, you know, as a semi-automatic sporting rifle. That has become the assault rifle. And uh, and so, yeah, we've seen how the language has come to mean certain things in the uh, um, in the world. And that is uh, it's you know, I, I agree, Bob. Maybe we should take some of that back. Um, I don't know as we should get ad hominem, though. You know, the Fauci flu thing. Um, I don't know if that is helpful. Uh, because, you know, you've got to find something that's kind of, it's like, the again, they've become very good about it. It's no longer gun control. Now it's gun safety. I keep going back to the firearms, but really it's some of the most prominent, some of the most prominent um, uh, examples of changing the language out there. You know, but it's not gun safe, gun control. Now it's gun safety because that's inoffensive. And who could argue with gun safety? So, but, <clears throat> you know, maybe we should, uh, maybe we should uh, find ways to capture some of that language and, and put it to our good use. But again, you have to have the cooperation of the, of the mainstream media complex. Uh, they, they really, and if they're not in your corner, they're not going to report it the way that you want. I mean, if, you know, I used to say it wasn't assault, uh, assault weapons, they're battle rifles, Right. That's what I, you know, or sporting rifles, but it doesn't matter how many times that you put those into, you know, you try and put those, it doesn't matter because they've got an agenda and they're going to stick with the words that fit and match their agenda. So there you go. There you go. Um, anyway, I guess we'll probably discuss this a little bit more on Thursday as we get ready to, uh, as we get ready to do our thing then. All right, we're coming up. Uh, we're coming up on the break, and so now is the time that uh, I guess we need to um, close the phones, and we'll jump back into this here. Chris Story is going to be our guest in just a moment, and we'll uh, we'll dive into it. Uh, we'll dive into it with him. There you go. We got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based. Free Thinking Radio. We'll return with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Chris Story on the other side. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Uh, Ready to rock and roll. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be, going to be good stuff. Um, let's see, I'm looking up here. Um, yesterday, blah, 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 thing, the deal, Ben Carpenter, 
Hate the thought. They circumvented the process for recall. They're not thinking about it. will swing against them later. Um, okay. Um, oh, this is interesting. Jimmy says, building guns and knives. Time to start, rela- start building relationships. Probably the hardest thing to do in life. But Jimmy, what are the most rewarding, my friend? I mean, one of the most rewarding thing is building relationships. It's not always easy. There's no doubt about it. But some of the most rewarding things uh, are are you know building relationships. That's uh, that's a hundred percent true, right there. Hundred percent true. Um, anyway, thanks for sharing uh, out there on the show this morning. Um, all right, we are going to get into it with Chris Story who uh, is going to be joining us in just a hot second. <clears throat> as, soon as, I, as soon as I call him, he's going to be joining us. How about that? I don't want him to freak out here. Uh, let's get him squared away. Get him squared away. Not that he has a propensity or anything. Good morning. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic on top of the world. Okay, good. You're- let's build a relationship and call it a knife. Let's build a relationship of the. I want to build the relationship of this sword, my friend. A relationship <laughs> of this sword. Hey, hey. So, uh, how you doing? You're boy. You're sounding a little deep and bassy this morning. You uh, you're trying out your new system. Oh, yep, yep. Using the uh, using the microphone, the uh, the whole roadcast system. Is it is it coming through okay? Yeah, yeah, no, it just it's very different than what you normally sound like. It's just uh you got a little more presence. I don't know if we need that, but we got a little more presence going on here this morning. So would I be more present? Yeah. It, it's funny because it's reliant on cellular technology because I'm using Bluetooth to connect to the board and then the board um is connected to this, you know, broadcast quality microphone. So I'm hoping this sounds a little bit different than just a phone call, but one of these days maybe I'll take you up on the, the video. But for now, I, yeah. I, I need to. Well, you, you saw how easy it was yesterday. Chris and I were actually doing some testing yesterday with the new broadcast software that we're using. And, and uh, I felt your disappointment when I said, oh, I just don't want to be on video. And you were just, I could feel the disgust coming through the camera. I, I mean, just, you know, why? Why be afraid to try new things? You're the one that's always telling people that they need to try new things. Um, Chris just doesn't want to see you see his face as he concentrates and thinks about what he's saying. Apparently he sticks his tongue out or something while he does that out the side of his mouth. Um, you know, like he's trying to fix a bolt or something, you know, um, (laughs) Barbara says that this, uh, this setup gives your voice a Morgan Freeman quality. So I don't think you can, let's see if we can get out of this, uh, Shawshank penitentiary together exactly exactly so chris what are we going to be uh what's what's our topic going to be today to be or good enough to be or good enough all right that's uh sounds like my life so i mean i'm down with this <laughs> I'm, I'm down with this i mean you know it used to be i used to say my wife slaps me now every time i say it uh you know i says I used to say something like, close enough for the girls I run with. You know what I mean? It was just like, you know, one of those things. I don't know why she was offended by it. But yeah. uh, anyway, oh, uh, Barbara says it must be because you want to work in your PJs. That's why you don't have, uh, that's why you don't want to have video because you don't want to have to get She's dressed. assuming I wear PJs. Whoa, whoa. This is a family show, my friend. It's a family show. Well, 
Hey, <laughs> the long nightgown, the night nightgown, <laughs> and your stocking cap. Um, all right, um, <laughs> hold the line, Chris Story. Uh, we're going to be right back to you, Chris Story, the man from Homer, joins us for our weekly life coaching lesson. That's coming up next, folks. Like and share, like and follow. Make sure you ring the bell on YouTube and do all the YouTubey stuff. Let's get things uh, back to it, shall we? The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. All right, welcome back to the program. Continuing now, Chris Story, the man from Homer, joins us to discuss life, uh, the questions, the universe, and everything else. Uh, and, of course, give us our weekly dose of positivity, as we like to call it around here. Today's topic, he says, is to be or good enough. Uh, what? I mean, what, what, what? Again, this sounds a little bit like my life uh, in general. Chris Story, ilovehomeralaska.com. Good morning, sir. How are you? Michael, I'm on top of the world. So happy to be here with you and uh, loving your new setup. I've been watching a little bit this morning. It looks fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, minor changes from the visual side of it, but it's pretty cool what we can do now. Uh, you mm -hmm. yourself are on a brand new setup today, sounding a little more bassy. Give me a little bit more volume there, and we'll be good to go. Um, so, uh, Chris, to be or good enough, what's it about, my friend? You know, Michael, I think each of us arrives with a full quiver, a full quiver of gifts, talents, opportunities, and we can make of them what we wish. And the more you use your gifts that you showed up with, even if they're a bit undeveloped or in the rough right now, the more you use these gifts, the more you will grow, the more your gifts and talents will grow. And it's obvious anybody who like myself quit playing piano at a very young age, quit the lessons by year one, I look back and think, wait a minute, hmm, maybe I wasn't quote gifted with, you know, talented in musical, but I, I cut myself short. I really don't know. I, I kind of went, eh, good enough. I've got middle C figured out. And really I was a drummer and all I wanted was some uh, timing sense with, with the piano lessons. That's all I really wanted. And, and, but so maybe I got out of it what I, what I really wanted, but the point is you can decide to be, and then be all you can be, or you can at any point say, eh, good enough. And when you don't use your talents, when you don't use your gifts, they diminish, use it or lose it. They just lay dormant. And then they go and sort of calcify over and they're gone. Potentially you can, however, you can go back and re-implement. You can start again. It's never too late. You can choose right here, right now to go back to those gifts or go back to the quiver and go, you know, I hear this guy saying that I was born on purpose and with a purpose. I don't know what that is. I, I, I just work at this job or I, I do this or that. My suggestion is that we each take a minute and just sort of evaluate as we approach a shift in the economy. You can feel it like a chill in the air. You feel it. It's coming. The shift is coming for each of us. Now is the time to really take advantage of the gifts that we came here with and make sure that we're trying to be all we can be versus just eh, good enough. 
Um, I think a lot of people, well, this again comes back to self-analysis. A lot of people are in their, you know, we talk about the comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. The comfort zone is like, eh, good enough. It's like walking into the kitchen and throwing your napkin at the trash can and it bounces off the wall and hits the floor and you're like, eh, good enough. I don't want to bend over and pick it up. Um, You know, there have been a few times in life when I felt that way, but I've still you know, bent over and pick it up, throw it away. Sometimes you got to stretch and it feels good because, uh, you know, things are clean and, and, and everything's picked up. And you realize that if not everybody did that pretty soon, we'd have napkins all over the floor, dirty napkins all over the floor kind of thing, you know, right. That's in my mind. I'm like, what kind of example are you setting for your children or whatever? If you don't clean up after yourself and yada, yada, yada. Sometimes it's not just your expectation. Sometimes you've got to, you know, you got to have people that'll hold you accountable, people that you trust, people that you love, uh, mentors, whatever, that help you hold you accountable to that. So it's never just good enough. I agree. And, and your show is a prime example of that. Let's just take take a look at it. What did we just talk about? You, you're you on a new broadcast system for anybody on face, Facebook and YouTube. You're trying to enhance the experience for, for that end user. Ultimately, you'll be able to enhance the end user's experience on the radio, the traditional traditional you know, radio listener as well, because of the comments you're going to be able to more easily access. You are constantly trying to improve the program. Uh, you, you've asked me not to reappear. That's again, trying I, to improve doing my the best. program constantly. You're, you're never ending improvement. That's what this show is about. That's what you've dedicated a large part of your life to is broadcasting and improving on this art of communication. I wrote the book born to live based on my personal experience with the 2008-9 financial crisis, the global crisis that racked, um, rocked millions of people's lives, including my own. And so I wrote that book, Born to Live, based on what I was facing, the pit that I was facing, and, and wrote this sort of metaphorical book around the choices we all have in life. And ultimately, it, it kind of sums up with three things, you know, to look forward, learn from your past, but live in the present. And when I say live in the present, I don't mean live for this moment. Because you have to be looking ahead. You have to be thinking about what's to come, what is coming, where you want to go, where you want to end up. But at the same time, if you miss this moment, if you don't pay attention to where you are today, what you've got today, uh, you're not going to be ready for that future. And you're going to have missed the, the real good life. I mean, Tony Robbins has made Jim Rohn's philosophy incredibly famous that, say, the winter is some, – some people play in the winter. They ski. They have a great time. Others who aren't prepared – get frozen. They, they freeze. Sometimes it freeze to death. And so I think as we think about these gifts that we're here with, we arrive with, and it's our job to polish them. It's our job to pull them out of the quiver of life and say, wait a minute, this is something I'm really interested in. I really want to develop this. My suggestion is that you handle your business. You become a CEO of YOU. And that sounds cheesy, but it's a reminder to me constantly in my life. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the CEO of me. I'm the CEO of this opportunity. Nobody is going to interrupt me and say, here, here's more opportunity unless I'm in the race already and I'm handling my business. So become the CEO of YOU, even if you're employed, maybe there's six layers of management between you and any decision. You're still your own CEO. And I think if you handle your life that way, you show up at a job that you may not even like, you show up better able to handle the job and then be rewarded with the next opportunity because you're delivering more in use value 
then you're taking in cash value. Well, it's a mental shift, right? I mean, we talk about this. The mm-hmm. only thing we can really control in our lives is how we react to circumstances. And even if you have a job you hate, if you've decided that you are going to be the captain of your own ship and, uh, and uh, you know, your, your own CEO, it makes it, even those jobs that you may dislike, it may make it easier. Easier, but also I think you'll show up in, in a way that makes you the next candidate for advancement or opportunity. Somebody will see you and go, wait a minute. Um, well, there's a guy, a guy called uh, Brian Buffini. He's a real estate coach and, and mentor to thousands of people. And he says he's constantly for his company of which he employs three to 400 people at any given time. He's constantly interviewing the barista making his coffee. He's constantly interviewing the clerk, the cashier, the person like, for example, you said at Fred Myers that you'll go out of your way to stand in that particular person's line just because of how they approach their job and life. Right, right. He's constantly interviewing people who have no clue. They might be rewarded with a new opportunity if they simply had showed up in that job, which maybe they hated because they're really home writing their screenplay or manuscript or they, they just they just want something. They want to be the CEO of the Starbucks Corporation or the wherever they're working. And they, but they don't want to put in the time necessarily or they resent where they're at in the ladder of life today. And that shows you can't hide that. So if you just show up as though this were the opportunity, you might just get it. Uh, you actually hit on a little bit of that in your book, uh, The Backyard Millionaire, where the character is uh, is working in a job that really, they, I mean, they're not super fond of. Uh, and, uh, you know, that character is uh, is engaged at the cash register, which I always found to be. In fact, that was my that my Fred Meyer clerk was the first thing that came to mind when I was reading that scene uh, in your book. Uh, because it is it that that impression that you make on people is important. Um, and sometimes, like you said, you don't know when you may be handing uh, being being about to be handed a, a you know, a, a, a golden opportunity that you would not have gotten before. So, I mean, that, that just it just harkened me back to that scene in your book. Well, thank you. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that. And that was a real life scene that literally happened in my life. Somebody I paid a little attention to. They paid some attention to me and they ended up paying me with a book and I say pay because it changed my life, altered the course of my life. The book did. And, and I'll never forget that. And uh, he just recently passed away. And uh, after almost 30 years of, of mentorship that he really probably didn't even realize what he had done for me. Um, I, I think about him constantly. And, and every time I look at that book cover, I think about him and, and other people in my life that have influenced me and, and helped me harness maybe a gift that I didn't really recognize I arrived here with. Um, Michael Gerber has got a great, series of books. And if you own a business, I think it's incumbent upon you to read one of them at least. And it's called the E-Myth. So entrepreneurial myth. And what he's saying is with the word myth is that nobody shows up here born entrepreneurial. I mean, we're all creative. Everybody has the opportunity to be entrepreneurial and this country rewards that. And you have ingrained in our founding documents, the pursuit of happiness, which I truly read as entrepreneur. You have the opportunity to be your own boss whatever it is that makes you happy. But in his book, the entire philosophy is kind of wrapped around this one idea. Work not just in your business, but work on your business from 30,000 feet up. So if you literally do own your own company, imagine you have to answer to a board of directors. Imagine that Monday you have to give a report to your board of directors and justify how you spent your time last week, how you intend to spend your time this week, and your company's resources, your money, 
How do you intend to use and utilize the people and talent you have on your staff? If you are an employee, imagine you're going to show up for a performance review today. How will you show up? How will you, as the CEO of your own business, how will you show up and work on your business, not just in it? How will you show up and work on your job, not just at it? I mean, I think that, again, it just goes back to that mindset of how do we deal with those things? And, uh, you know, and, and we have to make that decision. The, the, the prime thing on that is, and I guess what really sticks out to me is, those are decisions that we have to make ahead of time. You can't make those decisions objectively if you're in the midst of reacting to something. You've got to make the decision ahead of time that I am going to be x in any situation or that i'm going to be find the positive in any situation you can't do it while you're in the midst of you know a crisis of some kind exactly i agree and anybody who has settled when we settle and say eh, good enough when winter comes it's our harvest that will freeze first if we're not prepared and i think if you do just decide eh, good enough you immediately have already chosen to be one of the people out in the cold versus playing in the cold when winter arrives. And, and it's just inevitable, and not to sound like uh, Chicken Little, but inevitably there will be a shift every so many years in every economy. And you can look at history for 500 years or 1,000 or 6,000 years of recorded history and see that, that shifts come constantly. And those who are prepared, those who have been delivering more in use than, in, than receiving in cash, always do better, always win, and are poised for the opportunities that winter brings. So to be or good enough, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, final thoughts here as we wrap things up. I mean, you know, again, it's it's that, I, that mentality of settle for. Uh, I've never been one in my own life to be kind of a settle for mentality. I've always strived to give a little extra or do a little extra or I've not, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not, uh, 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 I'm just not satisfied. I'm not like always constantly grasping, but I always want to, I always want to do more. I always want to stretch. I always want to strive. Is that what you're talking about? I think so. I went to a, a, a seminar where Les Brown, I traveled 2000 miles to just go see a speaker named Les Brown. And in the seminar, he said he had everybody stand up and, and reach, he said, reach as high as you can. And then he waited a beat. Everybody's reaching up, everybody in professional suits and dresses and pantsuits, all that. everybody's reaching as high as they can. And then he says, okay, reach a little higher. And every single person in the room reached just a little higher. He said, wait a minute, I told you to begin with to reach as high as you can. Why didn't you? You've got more in you. There is something else for you. You can reach higher. You can do more. You can go a little further. You've got more gas in the tank, even though it's more expensive than it's ever been in your lifetime. You have reserves. You have more in the tank. And now is the time to step on the accelerator. Yeah, interesting stuff. Again, I think everything that Chris and I talk about every week, and I'm the remember, I'm the guy that kind of busts it down to the most try my, my if I guess if I have any skill, it's trying to take complex ideas and making them as simple simple as possible because I'm a simple man. But everything that Chris and I talk about always, it seems, comes back to in the end, back to mindset, to how you mm -hmm. how you decide to handle things, how you how your mind is in every circumstance. And uh, I think in this circumstance, again, it's just not to accept that settle for mentality. 
good enough for me is never good enough. I always want to put one more cherry on top. I always want to stretch, take one more step. I always want to stretch one more inch. It's just something that's in my nature that's been built up over the years. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's done well for me. And I would expect that other people would experience the same thing. Yeah, I agree, Michael. I appreciate it. And that's what I think people keep coming back to your program. And uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day who said, man, I really love your segments with Michael Dose. I love his show. And, and I think what you do for Alaska and your, and your national and global audience on, on the Internet is, is important and powerful. And I think it's you know just one of the many gifts you've got that you've obviously harnessed. How do you spell your last name? i got to write it on the check correctly here. Hold on a second here. Uh, <laughs> Chris Story. World. Yeah, Chris Story, the man from Homer. His books uh, are legend in my household. Backyard Millionaire, Born to Live, Making of Man. He's working on uh, sequels right now for everything. And I look forward to seeing those, reading those, and uh, performing those as well. Chris, thank you, my friend, for coming on board this morning. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. If you would hold on for just a second, I have one question from the chat room, which we will answer during the break real quick here if we can. Uh, and we will uh, get in on uh, we'll get in on that. Uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer. I recommend you go to ilovehomeralaska.com and find all of his books and everything else. Plus, you can find some of them on Audible, audible.com, read by yours truly. All right, uh, we're going to continue with more. One final segment ahead, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-Based, free-thinking radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, we're in the break uh, real quick with Chris Story. I don't want to take up too much of his time, but I thought this was a great question, and uh, I wanted to share it with Chris. Uh, This is from Rick, and he said, What is Chris Story's story? What event in his life had such an impact to make him be so positive and i don't think you've ever really come out with that all over so you got about four and a half minutes here chris if you can summate for us your entire life in four minutes what if you know why why are you so positive what event in your life made you so positive that's a great question rick thank you michael um i was born in a womb not far from here and no um <laughs> you know i i think if i'm being honest 100 honest i think um becoming a teenage father, I think was a turning point or a, a point in my life where uh, my then girlfriend, now wife of, of 33, 34 years, um, we had to make a real choice in life and against all odds, decide and determine that we would determine our own destiny and that a child at, at 16 years of age wasn't going to destroy our life, wasn't going to ruin our life, wasn't going to become something that would hold us back or down. And I think, to be quite frank, that's when I really started to to look at um, positivity, optimism. My, I come from a family of people that are, you know, entrepreneurial. Uh, my parents, my grandparents, great grandparents, and so that end of things wasn't a. I, w- I wouldn't say, oh, I was born innately entrepreneurial, but I was exposed to it at a very, very young age. Constantly, my dad worked on his job but then always had side businesses and we worked in those side businesses. So that element of my life, I, I attribute to them and I'm grateful for what they exposed to us. On the other hand, like I say, if there was an event that I think was a turning point in being able to make 
decisions for myself and determined that I was the captain of my own ship, determinant of my own fate, it would have been that moment when we discovered we were about to have a baby in high school. That, uh, and that, I didn't know that. So that's a, that's an interesting point because at that and I'm point, not recommending that route. No. That's not an endorsement <laughs> or a recommendation. It's just literally to answer Rick's question. That was a, that was a turning point. It was a pivotal moment with which we both, Tiffany and I both had to determine, okay, this isn't the end of us. This isn't, this isn't going to destroy our lives. We're going to become better and stronger and not to say that it was always easy, but that's exactly what's happened. Well, because it's interesting because if you look at history and, of course, everything else, you see that any time teenagers become parents, it usually is, you know, I mean, it's a very tough struggle and it probably, uh, you've wrecked your lives kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you made a decision to do exactly the opposite, to use it as a reason and a springboard to move forward, which I, I mean, I find that not only commendable, but I think just, uh, you know, exemplary of what we could do. We, we would walk to the beach and talk about our future, imagine our future. We began to vision cast. We began to use vision boards before there was even something like that exposed to us. We were, we were taking pictures and uh, like, this is what we want. This is, I, I never thought in terms of uh, enough. I always thought in terms of, I want to start a university. <laughs> you don't need a high school diploma, you idiot. You mean you start an, <laughs> with always this sort of grander, bigger vision. And it's still pulling me forward and pulling me towards something. The beach walks in the book, The Backyard Millionaire, were taken directly from not my conversations with a a singular person, but the many walks that Tiffany and I took early on in life is we would imagine and envision where we were going and what we're going to do. And and we both pinch ourselves once in a while and say, oh, and each other, I'm kidding. But uh, we think, (laughs) wow, I can't, this is amazing. We love our life and right. we love growing and learning together. We still take courses together. She's taking courses right now on how to create courses, which we're going to use for the Backyard Millionaire and our goal of helping a thousand people become Backyard Millionaires themselves. I love it. I love it. Sign me up for the early class. That's all I'm saying. Um, good stuff. Uh, and and uh, and heartening to know that uh, Chris Story is still human. Uh, that's uh, That's what we like to hear. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, I hope that uh, Rick also says he hopes that you're telling your story at high schools. I hope that you're getting this out to the young people from a very young age. That would be interesting to walk around and talk about, you know, not endorsing teen parenthood, but let me tell you what it did for me. Um, I think that's a I think that's a powerful story. And uh, and I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing with us, Chris. Uh, and you're welcome. And with that, I guess I'll let you go. We could do this all day, but you got other things to do. So thanks for coming on board. Thank you, Michael. Take care. Uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer, doing his uh, doing his thing here on uh, the Michael Duke Show. We appreciate that. All right, uh, one final segment of the show here this morning as we get ready to uh, wind things down. Um, great, uh, what a great uh, thank you, Rick, for asking the question. I would never have known that story. Uh, well, I, I mean, maybe sometime in the future, but I, I would never have guessed that of Chris uh, as we go through. So I appreciate you uh, appreciate you sharing that uh, with it. Rick says, so it all started with your parents or it started with your parents. You were influenced by them. Excellent. I would hope that I would be that kind of influence on my children. That would be the thing. I would hope that I would be um, uh, I, I would hope that I would be a good influence on my children in that way, that if they had that kind of problem, that they would excel in it. So it's good stuff. Any good news today? Well, maybe we'll see if we can find some. How about that? Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. 
All right. Uh, welcome. Welcome back. I would love to uh, love to hear from you here this morning. We're into one final segment of the show. Um, <laughs> we were just talking with Chris story during the break there. Somebody asked him about, you know, what makes him so positive? What an interesting story about what he, you know, what he, um, you know, what he attributes to his positivity in life and where he came from. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to go back and, um, um, I, you're going to have to go back and listen on the podcast if you missed it. Uh, but what an interesting, uh. Um, what an interesting, uh, uh, story. I-, I loved it. And so thank you to Rick for asking the questions and, uh, and thank you to Chris for sharing your life with us and, and, uh, sharing a little bit of your history and, and, uh, where everything is. Um, all right. One final segment of the show this morning. Again, a quick reminder, if you're just joining us and you missed it earlier in the program, I'm sorry if I sound repetitive, but I want to remind, uh, people that, um, I will be uh, that this Friday. I will be on vacation, um, and I was actually only going to take Friday off. But my wife pointed out to me that our time, our travel times, were pretty tight, um, and it would be very tough for me to get back and uh, do the show on Monday morning. And so, therefore, I have decided that I will take Monday off as well, making it a four-day weekend. I'm hiatus uh, on Friday and Monday. You will have alternate programming on the various radio radio stations and FM translators around the state uh, for Friday and Monday. And I will be returning to the airwaves a week from today on Tuesday with, uh, again, the deep dive and all that kind of stuff. So make sure you uh, make sure you uh, come in and check that out and, and deal with that there. So just a reminder, just a reminder. Um, and then Rick mentions, uh, says, mention your coffee mug, the coffee mug that is huge. Uh, we did have some swag for sale on the show here recently, and I ended up with a few extra pieces, uh, of merchandise, uh, coffee mug, six o'clock club coffee mugs and some t-shirts and a few other things. If you have any interest in that, uh, I posted it up on our Facebook page. You could see some pictures there, but, um, you can reach out to me on my email address, me at michaeldukeshow.com, M-E at michaeldukeshow.com. We're actually kind of becoming like a real thing around here. Um, uh, actually considering putting together a um, putting together a, uh, a, a an actual store on the website <laughs> where where you can actually buy stuff for reals. I mean, you know. Why you guys would want to have my face plastered on your shirt, my beard plastered on your shirt, I don't know. But I'm very grateful for people who uh, we we had a bunch of folks sign up and we got a bunch of mugs and stuff out. And the mugs are huge. They're like 15, 16 ounce big ceramic. I wanted a coffee mug that felt great in the hand. And uh, I found exactly that. Uh, and uh, we now have them for sale. Well, let's see how good it is. It's good stuff. Six o'clock club member mugs. Go check it out. Okay. Um, one final segment of the show this morning. Phone lines are open at uh, 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Powered by our friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at satellitewest.com. 
and uh, you can uh, you can uh, call us up and tell us what your thoughts are this morning. So somebody else asked about the good news. They like the good news. Uh, the good news is a segment that we do every week where we read you a few stories about the good news. Uh, just because we can't always live with the bad, bad drip drip all the time. So uh, here's a story out of Sacramento that will make you smile and love life a little more. A seven-year-old from Sacramento was the unlikely savior of a three-year-old toddler who would have certainly drowned without help. Last week, seven-year-old Messiah Brown went down to enjoy the pool at the apartment complex where he lives when he noticed something out of the ordinary. He said, I was just playing in the pool and I saw a boy at the bottom of the pool. He said, and I went to go get him. Swimming down into six feet of water, he grabbed the arm of a three-year-old toddler whose eyes and mouth were open, pulled him to the surface where a relative of Messiah's, nine-year-old Savannah, helped pull them both out into solid ground. Uh, adults who had caught wind of what had happened called 911, raced down to help. Savannah's mother performed CPR on the child who was helped to breathe again by the time fire and rescue had arrived. The child was transported uh, to, uh, to the hospital, and Messiah's father, Marcus, an Olympic boxer who represented the United States at the 2012 Olympics in London, said his son loves the water and swims like a fish, but that despite the surprise, it really typed who Messiah is. He said he's super empathetic, so for him to do something like that, I mean, it's really nothing out of the norm. It's just crazy that he's seven years old and he's doing something like that. Seven years old. Hailed as a hero, uh, seven-year-old Messiah Brown. Good for you, my friend. Good for you. That's the kind of that's kind of stuff. And this was a story that, gosh, I wish I had been smart enough to do this with my best friend. A pair of friends have been taking photos uh, in a photo booth uh, together every five years since they were ten years old, and they just snapped their fiftieth anniversary photo. Two 60-year-olds, Keith Lawton and Martin Dowell, went uh, down to Skegna Station where they crammed into the photo booth for the 10th time, grinning for the camera to commemorate 50 years of friendship. Keith is now a retired probation worker who took the first picture together with his friend Martin at uh, Woolsworth in Lincoln. And uh, they, by chance, found themselves back in the same shop five years later and decided to recreate the original. And they had so much fun that they did it for the next 50 years. Now both 60 years old. Uh, and there's a whole picture of them, uh, strips of them side by side as young boys going on to adulthood and now as as uh, as... I was going to say elderly gentleman, but I'm only eight years away from 60, so I guess I won't say elderly gentleman. I'm saying as uh, full-grown adults. How about that? But it's so that, that is just such the coolest story. Uh, and it goes on to tell you more about it. He goes, it's weird to look back at two 10-year-olds with sweet little innocent faces and then look at the others and think about everything you go through in life together. Um, he said, our lives haven't been anything other than two normal guys. We haven't done anything spectacular or catastrophic. We've just always kept that friendship. That's a pretty amazing story. I mean, I just, it puts a smile on my face. I guess that means it must be the good news. So thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, 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 asking for that, Jimmy. 
Uh, I had that on the back burner. I meant to do that. So it's a it's a it's a great story. Um, and so I'll throw those I'll throw those stories up uh, in the uh, chat room for folks to go check out as well. All right, folks, tomorrow's another day. We may or may not be speaking to Mike Shower. Don't know yet. I haven't confirmed, but still working on Sarah Palin, uh, maybe Mayor Charlie Pierce. On Thursday, we're going to be doing some firearm stuff because, of course, I am on vacation on Friday and Monday. I'm going to keep saying that just so that nobody's surprised. I don't want to be getting text messages at 6 o'clock in the morning when I'm sleeping because I'm on vacation. Friday and Monday, I'm off. I am on hiatus. Alternate programming will be involved. All right, my friends. Thank you for coming on board. We will see you tomorrow. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. We'll see you later. Have a great day. Jeez, Rick, that's poignant and sad at the same time. Rick says, at some point in our childhood, we said goodbye to our friends for the last time and didn't even know it. Damn, son. Try not to put a tear in my eye so early in the morning, will you? It's kind of spooky stuff there. Sandy said the 6 o'clock club was mentioned on KSRM Sound Off the other day. Interesting, interesting. I wonder, wonder what that was about. I don't know. You'll have to tell us about it, Sandy. All right, folks. Uh, Got to flee. Time to uh, time to get back to it. Time to get back to it and get on with it. Thanks for coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Oh, look! I can see that this. I didn't realize the software could tell me that there were thirty-one likes on the thing. Like the show, I can actually see them now. I didn't realize that until just now. Thirty. Like the show, follow the show, like and share, do all the things, all the things, the Facebook and the YouTube things, do it all. Thank you, my friends. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 